0: Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Everybody still talks about that day. And, um, it's something unforgettable. And, uh... It's, um, as I said, it, it marks where you were and that day was so vivid in your life. But one thing that occurs in our life when a t- tragedy occurs, something like this, that great and that magnitude, is we begin to doubt God. We begin to ask questions like, why, God, does stuff like this happen? We ask questions, and it's a huge question that people ask all the time is, God, why does bad things occur to good people? I don't get it. And we begin to question, we begin to question. And you know, I was reading scripture, and I was reading reading God's word because I wanted to understand God's heart. I wanted to understand God's purpose because I don't know the answers. Billy Graham was asked to speak a week after this event occurred, and he said the same question, I don't know. We don't understand God's ways are different. And I hope that today you may leave here with some confidence, or with confidence, that our God is in control of it all. And that our hope is in him. And here we find ourselves in Luke 13:1. The same exact question that was asked today, that is being asked today, the same doubt that, was being, that is being asked today was asked 2,000 years ago when tragedy took place. And here are some people that said there were some present at the time who told Jesus, they questioned Jesus, saying, how about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices? Here was Pilate killing lives and people questioning God, why? Why would something like this be allowed? Why would you allow the death of innocent people? They didn't get it. They didn't understand like a lot don't understand today. And in verse two, here's Jesus' answer. And I love how Jesus answers. He doesn't answer, he he just answers with a question. He doesn't give a straight answer. And this is what he says. He goes, do you think that the Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? The fact that people suffer, the fact that they go through what they go through, is it because they're worse sinners than you? It's not fair, God. It's not fair that there was innocent people that died when those those buildings collapsed. Same, thing, same questions they had, and this was Jesus' answer. Do you suppose that those people were worse sinners? Is it because they were sinners and they're worse than you? Trust me, you're a lot worse than a lot of people that died in that, those buildings. Verse 3. I tell you, no. No. Tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. You see the concern of Jesus? See, he's not into the why, into the physical. Why is this happening? He won't give you the answer because you won't understand it. You won't understand it now. You'll understand it later. He says he's concerned more about your heart, you, Forget about those people. How about you? Today, unless you repent, you too will perish. And he's not talking about being killed in a building. He's talking about your spiritual life. God's concerned about your heart. We're concerned about what's happening all around us. God's looking at a bigger picture. When we look through the eyes of God, it's totally different but we can't see it. I've been in places where I've been in front of being in, having my own business, I meet a lot of, a lot of executives, I meet a lot of smart people, and, uh, and I, I've met people where they, they have this PhD talking that I just don't get it. Uh, they are, they're so intellectual, and I'm an educated man, but man, sometimes I hear these conversations, and, and they're going at it, these two guys, and, and they're talking about things, and they seem so smart. I have no idea what they're talking about, yet yet I know they're smart, and I know that what they're talking about, like it makes sense somehow, but I just don't get it. And, and, and this is the same thing with our dilemmas in life. We don't get it. And in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, He says, Nor are your ways my ways. In fact, the Lord says in verse 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, we're here on earth, heaven as far as it is. He says, So my ways are higher than your ways. You see how big that is? You're not going to get it. You guys have a way of thinking. That's not the way God thinks. My thoughts and your thoughts, they're different. You just don't get it. I'll never forget being in those delivery rooms with Jenny. And for sure, Jenny won't forget. <laughs> My mom told her just to comfort her, listen, don't worry about it, after you'll just forget, once you have the baby in your head. And Jenny says, Astrid, I, I didn't forget. <laughs> she was doing that to comfort her. But you know, being in that delivery room um, and being with one of, one of the most respected doctors, um, the doctor that delivered the baby, uh, he's an amazing doctor. He knew all the medical treatments, he knew, he knew the whole entire procedure. He knew the entire process medically. He knew how he had to deliver the baby, how to cut the umbilical cord, how to treat the baby. But one thing he didn't know is how to feel that pain. And I'll never forget, maybe Jenny forgot, I don't know, but I, I, if, I was just freaked out. And when she, she said, doctor, I can't. I can't do this it's so hard and there was no time for epidural on that fourth baby and it was painful she says I can't say it was and I can feel the pain but I didn't really feel it and so she says doctor this is too much I can't of course she didn't say like this. she was screaming and she was I can't doctor and the doctor says yes you can come on Jenny you can do this I can't, doctor, it's so painful. And he goes, I know, I know it's painful. And she says, no, you don't, doctor. The doctor looks at me, and I'm like, and I just don't, I don't know. He didn't know. And this is one of the greatest doctors. And it's different when you have a woman doctor, because she can know all the procedures medically. She can know all the scientific stuff. She can get all the medicine stuff. But one thing she can do is relate to her. she was a mother, she can tell her, listen, I know what it is to cry when you don't have that epidural. I know what it is to feel that pain as the baby's going through the birth canal. I know it's hard, but come on, you can do it. It's worth the pain. And our God, our God, Jesus, Tells you the same thing. See, Jesus tells you today listen, I know your pain. I came to this earth and I've experienced what you've experienced, and I know it's hard, but I'll never give you something you can't handle. I have a purpose for what I take you through. But we still sit with this question saying, God, I don't understand. Why do things like this happen? Why do things like this occur? And there's a lot of sin going on in this world. From the beginning of time, Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin entered the world. Wickedness entered this world. And there's wicked people on this earth making wicked decisions. And we got to share the planet with them. We gotta face consequences because we share this planet with them. And we question God, God, what is it? I'm gonna tell you, the heart is very deceitful. The heart is wicked, Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. There's no cure to it. Who can understand it? Our heart Who can understand it when there's wickedness in our heart? I don't get why those people did what they did in the name of their religion. I don't get it. Why? There's wickedness in our heart. And we're going to face consequences for that. But God will never take you through something you can't handle. For within, out of man's heart comes evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, idolatry, all these things in Mark 7, it says that, that all these things you carry in your heart, all this wickedness, and it causes us to make these wicked decisions. Don't blame God for the actions of wicked people. When God created us, he gave us a free will. And some people chose to commit acts of evil and violence. Maybe your house is a mess at times, and people coming over, you run and you take care of everything. You organize it, and it takes you sometimes. If if they give you enough time, you have an hour or two organizing everything. You mop, you clean, you 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 put everything in its place. Then all the guests come over, especially if you invite us because we got kids, and we got four kids. So you invite us over, you invite somebody over, and they come and make a big mess of your house. That is so annoying. Because then now you've got to clean up everything that, they, that you just cleaned up. Now you've got to clean it up all over again. The same thing with God. God made a perfect world. We came in, we messed it up. But God cleans it up. Don't blame God for it. John 9, verse 1 through 3. God showed me a lot through this story. Here Jesus was. He was with his disciples. And this is going to touch your heart. John 9, verse 1 through 3. And it says now, no, John. John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. It says as he went along Jesus he saw a blind he saw a man blind from birth. There was a man who was blind from his birth. Think about this for a second. Verse 2. His disciples asked him they were walking together and he says, "Teacher, rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Who are we to blame what happened?" What occurred in his life that he was born blind? I don't get it, God. You see the questions that are asked even two thousand years ago. We're asking them today. Why, God? Why does this occur in my life? They're being asked by his disciples, the people that walk right by him. They should know all these answers already by now, but they still don't know why, God. Who sinned? This parent, his man, this man, or his parents? And it says in verse three, "Here's God's answer. Neither this man." nor his parents sinned said jesus but this happened so that the work of god might be displayed in his life so that the work of god may be revealed in your life why does god allow you to go through those things is because god wants to do an amazing work in you something you just don't understand yet i don't get it we want all the good things in life We want to have our cake and eat it too. And I brought a cake. I went this morning and I got a nice chocolate cake. And we love, some of us, I'm not a big chocolate either, but I know my wife is. And my kids, they'll devour this. Give them 30 seconds and it's gone. And we want God to give us this. We want the good things from God, don't we? We want God's blessing, we want God's provision. We want all the good stuff. And that's great. And God is about giving good to his, to his children. He's a faithful God. But you know what? To make this cake took a lot of things. It took an egg. How many people want to just eat this egg like this? A raw egg. Anybody? Right now, I'll give it to you if you want to eat it. Anybody? There may be some tough guys that they're healthy and they love to eat this like this raw, but it ain't pleasant. I don't care if you eat this or not, it ain't pleasant to eat. But it's necessary to make that cake. And you must include that. How many wanna take a a good scoop of flour? Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Huh, some dry flour. It's just so good. Dries up the mouth. Hmm? hmm? Numbs the taste buds. Anybody want a scoop right now? Any volunteers? No. But God puts this in your life. He gives you this. That just doesn't taste that good. But it's necessary to make this chocolate cake. Anybody want to take a spoon of oil? Huh? Anybody? Or a gulp? It's good. Lubricates the vocal cords. We want the cake, don't we? But God needs to put all these ingredients in place. Haha, sugar. <laughs> See, God sometimes will give us the sweet stuff throughout the process, He does show us His goodness. He doesn't want to just give you all these things that are like pain and trials he wants to show you how faithful he is and he's going to sprinkle on some of his sugar and his sugar is the best sugar and he sprinkles that on and that final product it takes a lot it takes that mixing and though he's going to mix that in your life he's going to blend it all together and you're like god what in the world are you doing in my life What are you doing? This this is a mess. My life is a mess. God say no, it's not. I'm doing something great. I see the big picture. You see the egg. I see a cake. And you're going to love it. Because I do good things. And you say, God, you know what? I'll take this, I'll take this. But I will not eat that egg, man. Come on. No, you can't. You need it to make the final product, you need everything that God puts in your life. We don't see the cake. We don't understand his ways. We don't understand his thoughts. They're way higher than ours. He sees this. You see all this junk, and it ain't junk. It's precious. Trials, Kenny, are precious. Yes, because what it produces is amazing. Is it easy to eat this stuff? No. God even said those who follow Christ will, they will suffer. But the good news is that the suffering is only temporary, guys. Romans 8, verse 17 and 18. It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, we're going to share in his sufferings. When you eat that egg, it's suffering. I will suffer if I had to eat that every day. If we indeed share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You share in God's suffering, you're going to share in his glory. Verse 18, I consider that our present suffering, what you're going through now, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let's read that again together. I consider that our present suffering, what you're going through right now, what you're going to go through tomorrow, is nothing compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. What God has prepared for you, forget about it. It's going to blow your mind. You're not going to understand it right now, the present. God's in control of your future. Don't worry about your future. What's going to happen to me? God, what is going to happen to me? Don't even worry about your past. Don't worry about your future. God says, I'm in control of it. It's in my hands. Live today for me. Today is the day of salvation. Where was God in 9 11? Where is God today in the midst of my trials? I'm gonna tell you, he was in the same place where Job was when he lost everything. Here's a righteous man, a man that loved God, yet he lost everything. Where was God? He was there. He was in control. He knew what he was doing. Do you think he's just some crazy guy? No, he's got it all under control. It's a perfect plan. It's a perfect recipe. You just want to put your own ingredients into it. You don't like his ingredients, but you want to eat the final product, don't you? It's a perfect recipe. It's a perfect plan. God, where are you in the midst of my trial? The same place he was when Joseph was rotting in jail. Come on. Here's a man who was so humble before God. He loved God. Being betrayed by your own brothers, sold into slavery, being falsely accused for attempting rape from Mrs. Potiphar. Being put in jail going through the things that he was going through, do you think it crossed his mind? God, what in the world are you doing? Yes. He's just like you and I. He ain't perfect. He's got the same questions the disciples had. He has the same questions you have today. Joseph had the same doubts, I'm sure. He couldn't have been, oh, this is awesome. I mean, what I'm going through, I'm serving God. I haven't done anything to him, but yeah, I deserve all this. No, no. I'm sure he had his doubts. But God had a plan. God was putting all these ingredients into his life. He was creating something amazing. And you guys know what occurred, right? He became a great leader used amazingly by God. And look what his words were. Genesis 50 verse 20. When he spoke to his brothers who betrayed him. Look what he said in Genesis 50 verse 20. He says, you... You intended to harm me. You that sold me into slavery. You intended me. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. All those lives that were saved from a famine. All those lives that were saved because of Joseph would have never taken place. Never taken place. If he hadn't gone through what he went through, if he was never stuck into a dark pit, a lonely pit when there's no one around. How many of you have fell in a pit where you feel all alone? Maybe you're in a pit right now. Maybe you've had that in your life where you feel, where is the answer? I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But he says, it was intended by God for good to accomplish What is now being done. He he was already talking about this. He was was already eating the cake. He was like, cool, this is good. And he he was sharing, this is the best thing. But it took a lot to get there. I'm sure Joseph wondered at times, where was God in the midst of my trial? And we could go on telling of, of experiences We can talk about Moses in the middle of the desert, but God had greater purposes for him. Samson, he was groping in darkness. He was going through the worst. These are men of God, going through the worst, but then at his final hour, he was strengthened right in his weakness. God's glory was revealed. Isn't that amazing how God ends it? You think that it's over when you're in the midst of that. You think it's like, that's it. I don't get it. I don't know. My life's done. God has an amazing plan for that. There's a purpose for it. We don't get it. That's why I don't get why right now, I don't understand right now what occurred in 10 years ago. I just know God has, he has it all under control. You think right now God is like, I don't know what I'm gonna do now with all these lives. No, God's got it all under control. He knows what he's doing. There's a purpose with each and every life, every family member, with each child that lost their parents, he's got it under control. Each person that lost their best friends, he's got it under control. There are things that happened in Joseph's life that if they didn't happen, he wouldn't have been where he was at that present time. There's a purpose for that. Jonah, being swallowed by a fish. But guess what? He learned that God's way was the best way, wasn't it? Because he thought it was his way was the best way. He says, I'm going this way. God, you tell me to go this way, I'm going this way. Being swallowed by a fish. Why, God? For three days? Can you guys picture yourself in the belly of a fish? I can't. That's disgusting. I mean... It must have been uncomfortable, smelly. I'd be questioning God. Why, God? I don't get it. Okay, fine, I was disobedient. But this bad? I'm about to be digested. That's how I'm going to end my life? But it showed him that God's way was the right way. It was the best way. A man of God, a prophet of God needed to go through that. A preacher can go through that. A Sunday school teacher can go through that. A woman of God, a man of God. It's going to build your character. It's going to prepare the way. Daniel being thrown to hungry lions, come on. I mean, this guy was a man who lived with integrity. This was a real man of God. I mean, we went through a whole Bible study series in the summer with the youth, and I learned so much about Daniel. I thought I knew it all about Daniel's life, and I learned the details about him. I'm like, this guy was for real. You want to, like, really read about a true man of God? Read that. And then to be sentenced, to be thrown into to a land of dying for doing God's will. Oh, but God showed his faithfulness. Right at that moment, what was going through Daniel's mind, being thrown. You know when they sentenced him, when they were going to throw him to the land, you know what he said? You guys look it up in your Bible, you'll never find it. Because he said nothing. He didn't complain. He's like, all right, that's what God, is. God's taking me there, Then that's what it is. That's a man of God. He shut his mouth. He didn't complain, he didn't whine. How many of you whine when you're going through the worst? You call your friends to whine. Daniel wasn't like that, he took it like a man. And because he took it like a man, God had a purpose. Because he accepted the ingredients, God had a purpose. That night, he slept on a lion's rug That was the best. That's right. He slept right on the line. It felt good. I'm sure he tamed him and he he had a great pillow. Peter and John, you know what it is for being beaten? For preaching the gospel? Come on. A lot of you guys are stuck in here. You guys aren't even going to the streets, but how about Peter and John who's doing this? And they're excited about doing it. And then they're beaten for doing this, for preaching the gospel, for telling people they need a savior. Why? You know what occurred? They had greater, greater, let's, let's hear this greater opportunities to share the gospel now. They were able to reach even more people because of what took place. Can you imagine you're in the middle of doing God's will and then getting beaten? says, be still and know that I'm God. I'm in control. God is a sovereign God. He's in control of it all. Paul, being stoned, shipwrecked, and imprisoned. Come on. A man of God, going through all that he went through, yet being assured that all things work together for the good of those that love him. To say that, that all these things, he said that, to all these things, that they're working for the good, that's crazy to say that. God, everything you're giving me, all these trials, I know it's for the good. No, it's God, everything you're taking me with joy, I know that you have a purpose for this, and I've seen this in many people's lives that are going through the trial and they're rejoicing because they know their hope is in God. They know their answer relies on God. And that brings me joy. God takes you through what he takes you to use you because there will be others that will go through those same trials. even if it's a disease, even if it's something that Job went through. Why, God? He's got a purpose for it. God cares about the heart. Didn't you hear God's answer to the disciples? Forget about the questions. I care about your heart. I'm about souls. I came to this world for your soul. I came to this world so that you, after this temporary stuff here, that you can be with me one day. That's what I came for. Don't question any of this temporary stuff. My ways are greater than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. You won't get it, but I see the final product. Where is God? Where is God in the midst of my trial? Where are you, God? He was in the same place when Jesus hung on a cross. Oh, the pain, all oh, the agony, come on. Having your beard plucked, ripped, lashes on your back. You think you're going through a lot? And I'm sure you are. I'm sure you have and I'm sure you possibly will. God understands it, being whipped, beaten, betrayed, hung on a cross, pierced in his side. The list goes on, read it in your word. Understand what God went through. But there was a great purpose. It didn't end when he hung on a cross. Three days later, Everybody was like, what's going on? Why? Three days later, you know why. There was victory on that cross. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. He moves among us today. Your sins on top of everything that he carried, he carried your sins on that cross. What a heavy burden that was. That's heavy. Jesus knows what you go through because he went through it. Just as Jenny's doctor had no idea what she was going through and maybe a woman doctor would've. But it's like a pregnancy. Sometimes you're gonna have to eat this stuff for nine months, nine years, I don't know. And the process is gonna be painful. There's going to be labor pains in your trials. You're going to sleep uncomfortable. It's going to be hard to do things. I went to the Lamaze classes, and they put all these weights on the men. They put, like, weight here, weight here, weight everywhere, and they put the actual weight of what it weighs for women, and they said, all right, now you men go do your things. And they go, sit down, pick this up. And I was like, I can't, I can't. It's... I'm gonna tell you something. A woman understands that. A woman can understand all that pain. But at the end of that process, at the end of that entire nine month process, and at the end it just seems so painful, that's the worst part, isn't it? When When you thought it was getting better, it was getting worse. God turns on that oven. Just wait. Wait and see what I'm doing in your life. Wait and see what you're going to have. And the greatest thing occurs after nine months. The thing you've been waiting for. I can't tell you how much joy it it brings to have a child. It is the greatest thing that has ever occurred in our lives. The greatest thing. But there was a lot of pain that had to go through that to get that blessing, to get that prize. Even though kids can give you headaches at times. But they're the most amazing joy. All my stress is gone when I get home. And I open that door and those kids just come running to me. All my stress is gone, all joy is filled. It is the most greatest moment of my day. I look forward to it every day. I look forward every day to eat that cake. Don't we all? Don't we all want that? Don't we all want the good stuff from God? Understand it's a process. Understand that there's hope. This is one of my favorite verses. And I share it sometimes with the youth, and it's one of the greatest things. And I share it because their name is on it Isaiah 40, verse 30. I just love it. It says, even youth, even young people grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. You older people, I know you guys grow tired, and it's hard. But even the young ones, They go through it. And then too even grow tired and weary. 31. And they stumble and they fall. But it says, but those, while they stumble and fall, but it says, but those whose hope is in the Lord. Those whose hope is in the Lord. Hear that again. Those whose hope is in the Lord. Will renew their strength, that strength that they once had. They will have it again. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will rise like eagles and they will soar above all those problems. They'll be eating that cake. They'll be going through all their trials, all their troubles, and say, well, I used to be down there. And now I'm soaring like an eagle. but it's for those who hope in the Lord. They will run and not grow weary. They won't grow tired. They're going to run. Do you understand that? What you're going through right now, you may feel like you're falling, you're down, what's going on? But if you put your hope in God, you're going to get up and that's going to renew your strength like you once had it. And you're going to soar like wings like eagles. There, you will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I feel so bad. I feel so bad. And I pray for those people that lost their loved ones and they don't know God. They've been mourning for 10 years and they don't know what to do. They don't, they don't have hope. They just don't have hope. They don't understand. They don't know God. They don't know anything they, they're they looking for an answer. But those that lost loved ones and their hope is in the Lord, their strength is renewed. It's real. One day they're going to soar like wings, like eagles. And for those that died in a Tragedy like that, that knew God, that their hope was in God, that was the most glorious day. The most glorious day. To us it was tragedy, we don't get it. To us it was, a, it was a bunch of ingredients, but to that day, forget about that cake, they had like a golden cake or something. It was the most greatest day of their life. No more tear, no more sorrow. Let's all stand this morning. I want you to understand something today, people of God, and put your attention on God's word. God is able to restore. He's able to repay. He's able to rebuild, to heal, despite all that happened. And our faith should remain in God. Always, never give up. Don't give up on God. He never gave up on you. Don't give up on God. I'm pressed, but say, I'm not crushed. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned by my God. I'm crushed. I'm, per- I'm pressed, but I'm not destroyed. You know why? Because your hope is in God. There's a song, we're not, I don't think they're going to sing it, and that's fine, because it's an old song, and I just love it. And it says... Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fear is gone. Because I know he holds a future and life is worth just living. Just because he lives. Just because God lives. My fear is gone because my hope is in God. I can face tomorrow. If you're going to leave with something today, leave with hope in God. Find hope in God because you won't find it anywhere else. He's hope to the hopeless, He's the answer to your question, to your doubt. As we sing this song, listen, there's nothing magical, there's nothing about this altar. All this is is a place where you surrender at the feet of Jesus and God does a work. There's nothing powerful, there's nothing great about my prayer. There's something powerful about the one who answers prayer. The altar is open for those that fear that hope is gone, for those that need to renew their strength today. As we sing this song, the altar is open. God bless you.